This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. And we're back in West London again. One of our old favourite haunts. We were looking in the map and we thought, where should we go and have a drink today? We thought, should we go to the West End? Should we even come up to North London? We thought maybe we'd even go around the sides and go into sort of Surrey or something like that. But we thought, nah, nah, nah. Let's come back to West London because West London is wonderful. Our West London is wonderful. So we have come... To the Cross Keys pub in Stamford Brook. The old original Cross Keys pub in Stamford Brook. And the reason why we come to the Cross Keys is because they take care of us very well. Good pub, good people. And as we said, if you haven't been here before, it's tucked away in the houses. You know, you wouldn't know it's here. You'd be walk past it and think, hold on, hold on a second, what's this? It's the Cross Keys pub. Absolutely wicked. Boozer, fiddler's boozer. And they uh, lovely people be on the bar. They serve decent food. It's quite cheap. We've got lovely beers. I've got my pride in front of me. Laney's got his red pride in front of me. Red Fox in front of her. And we've got Ali Manali, and she is drinking... Double vodka and coke. Double vodka and coke, indeed. <laughs> you know, so listen, we've all, we're all, got all sorts of things going on here. But listen, buzzing, sort of, after last weekend, because we kind of had a win. But we didn't quite have a win. because We didn't quite get three points, but it felt like a win because we were losing. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. But before that, I'm going to introduce my guest today. I'm Billy Grant. And like I said to you, I'm buzzing a little bit, um, even after Saturday. And I've got Mr. Dave Lane in the house. Laney, how are you? I am very good, Bill. I am very good indeed. Um, a little bit, little bit kind of like, um, it's unusual to have a midweek without, a, without a, actually a, without a league fixture, without, you know, inside the international, between the international breaks. So, yeah, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to Preston a lot next Saturday. Um, I know it's a very, very early start for us. Um, but, uh, yeah, Preston's, as, as we said last week, is one of the, one of the uh, best away games in it on our calendar. So, yeah, no, bring, bring that one on, mate. Indeed, and we're going to be chatting a bit later to um, Rick Astley. If you didn't know, Rick Astley was a Preston fan. So, Rick Astley, we're going to be chatting to him. We're going to be doing Ask Astley. And if you need to know anything about Preston or Fen, 
Just ask Astley, because that's what we're going to do later, aren't we? Yeah, I'm never going to give him up. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. I mean, I gave him up years ago, and I'm just handing it over well, to I you. Let, well, I won't, I won't let him down either. No, no, no. <laughs> that's, the, that's the rumour anyway. Listen, in the house today we have Ms. Ali Malali, who's her first time this season. Ali, how are you? I'm, I'm delighted to be back. I moaned about on Twitter, not being invited back for ages and ages, and then suddenly I'm here. So I'm no, delighted to be here. <laughs> mere coincidence, actually. Mere coincidence, you see, yeah. we've we put the calls in, we put the emails into you, but they've obviously we got, got desperate, uh, <laughs> and they they obviously got lost. They got they got lost in the midst, you see. And uh, but listen, it's lovely to have you back, and it's lovely to have your point of views, and hopefully we'll get stuck in and. Uh, You'll talk about atmosphere, you'll be talking about crowds, you'll be talking about Liberal Nick, because apparently you and Liberal Nick were sort of neighbours that swapped, weren't you? Yeah, I'm originally from Devon as well, so I know, I felt, I was listening to the podcast last week, and I felt that Liberal Nick was being very hard done by and giving him a hard time about being, living in Devon. <laughs> Liberal I feel Nick. the need to come on and defend the Devonians on behalf of Liberal Nick. So there's two of you now that want to defend <laughs> Liberal Nick, which is good, so it's a growing number, so we need to watch our step, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Very much. Well, when he was plugging Exeter City last week, I really thought like the, the, the actual audience he was speaking to was like zero, but he's obviously another one. So, um, <laughs> I, I have to say, I did go and watch Exeter City in the playoff final last, and, well, I, end I, of last season. And I, and I do have to say that the, um, the Liberal Nick Appreciation Society are going to be absolutely devastated that he's, he's not on today. Everyone else is going to be ecstatic. <laughs> Listen, the Liberal League, um, I know you're listening out there and, and, and there's no hard feelings as well because, you know, we do miss you and we'll, we'll have you back in a couple of weeks and um, as long as you leave your rose-tinted glasses, or your, your, your West Country-tinted glasses back there, we can have some good old conversations. But listen, you were talking, Lainey, it's interesting, you were chatting about um, the International Week and then the fact that there was no Tuesday night games. But after I looked, I thought, yeah, there's no Tuesday night games. Then I looked, I said, yes, they are Tuesday night games. It's just that we're not involved. Well, why are you not involved? Because it's the Caribou, the Caribou, the Caribou Cup. And uh, we, we didn't get involved in the Caribou Cup because basically we got knocked out by Norwich in the previous round. So yesterday we actually could have been playing football at Highbury. Or the Emirates, or whatever they want to call it nowadays. Yeah, but I think it's the Emirates. Yeah, yeah Emirates. It's definitely the Emirates. Oh, I think, I think some, 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 to people's hearts, it's still hybrid, like you know what I'm saying, old school. But um, we could have been playing at the Emirates last night, but it just wasn't quite to be, was it? No, it wasn't to be. Um, and it wasn't to be for Norwich either, because they, they, they took the lead and um, they, they eventually went out. And I think that was, that was obviously going to happen. But um, yeah, I, I guess. I guess it, I, uh, the morning after we, we not got knocked out against Norwich, we, I think we all knew that, that we were going to miss out on a, on a plum draw. And that's the way it, that's the way it worked out. And I, I personally would have quite liked a little trip to the, uh, to the Emirates this year. I mean, I, not in my lifetime when we played Arsenal. Um, you know, I think once in a friendly or whatever. But um, a, a competitive game, I think, I think we would have done all right as well. I think it would have been a, a really good test. You know, we've, we've beaten we've beaten Inter Milan, we've beaten AC Milan. I think the first team would have beaten Arsenal. I mean, and it's, it's interesting, and we're talking about this as well because, um, okay, we haven't had the best run of form. We've had lots of draws, but it's all about getting in there and playing your games and 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 and, and just getting up there. And do you think that maybe? Having Arsenal in the mix, because at the moment now, our season is pretty wallpaper, it's pretty beige. You know, we're going in there, we're playing these teams, it's just cool, we're enjoying ourselves, we're going out there, but we're never up, nor, we're sort of down the bottom a little bit, but we're probably going to go up. So do you think maybe have, having Arsenal in the mix may have actually changed the way that we play, because we might have actually got a little, a little bit of a zing in our step, and it may have actually affected our league form? 
Well, you look at what happened when we went to Chelsea last season. And we didn't turn up, we didn't perform for that, and we were all incredibly down after that game. So it's, it's quite true. it's quite possible the same could have happened again against Arsenal. It's true. I mean, th- 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 maybe that's it's true. true. On it. No, it's true. I mean, but you've got to see it from both sides. What I would say is that coming into the Chelsea game, I think we were kind of doing all right. Then we seem to have just taken our eye completely off the ball. I mean, there isn't sort of any eye taking off the ball going on at the moment now because we can only we can only kind of get ourselves a little more zingy, can't we? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it might have been something that we. Would have lifted us, lifted our season. I, I don't know. I still can't help thinking that because we're a bit limited on numbers in the squad at the moment, that we might not have taken it as seriously as the fans might have liked. But it would certainly have got the fans excited, wouldn't it? It's hypothetical, anyway. You know, if if you look back to the Norwich game on the night, it was men against boys, or, or it was Prem versus. You know, upper league one on the night. We 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 didn't compete with Norwich. We didn't we didn't deserve the trip to to the Emirates. So um, we got we kind of got what we deserved. But um, you know, it, it's just a shame because you just think that you 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 know you it's a tie away. But it's interesting you say it's a tie away. But do you think they're all sitting down now and they're thinking, oh God, blimey, it's it's Arsenal. Arsenal away I mean you know there was talk about like Cliff Crown was like when the draw came up there was tears in the boardroom and everything like that because obviously Cliff Crown is a is an Arsenal fan and a Brentford fan um, so the tears in the boardroom so do you think that when they saw that draw they thought oh no I wish we took it a little bit more seriously you know we, we could have actually done that we could have actually matched do you think that 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 feeling was was there Probably not, but you know the old the old Brentford in it in me was uh, if we had gone through, we would have got we would have got like Dagenham or something. I don't know. They're not in here. I know, but we would have we would have got we would have got the um, we would have got no we would have got the dog shit draw. <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah, no, yeah. The, the fact is, you miss out. But we know we've 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 had those games in the past where you know you, you miss out on the plum draw, knowing that the draw's been made and you got a replay. And we we you know the Oldham game that always that always haunts me that we would have got Chelsea back in the day um, and we and we missed out um, and, and we did, we didn't play them. But um, well, we played Oldham that time in the cup. Yeah, that, that was exactly the one. So and there's other there's other times where. You know, we've we've got the plum draw and we didn't turn up, as Ali said. You know, the Chelsea Chelsea game last year. You know, we all got really quite excited about that, but in the end, it wasn't it wasn't worth the trip. So, um, you know, it swings and roundabouts. But you know, Arsenal Arsenal would have been a good day out, mate. It would have been a good day. And you remind me of that Oldham thing. No, the Oldham game actually. Remember, it's a December. It's actually my work that I was working at the time. I was working at a record label, and uh, it was our Christmas party. And I remember actually turned up, we had turned up at the Christmas party, then I dashed off to the Brentford game, and it was a fancy dress party, like you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was it was down down in Heathman's Terrace, there's Craig David there and all sorts of characters, like I'm saying, turned up. I said, sorry, I've got to disappear for a couple of hours, I'll be back in a minute. Didn't tell him where I was going, and I was basically dressed in all this camouflage gear, my face is camouflaged up, full army gear, and I turned up at Brentford in full, in full army gear, my face is like, I was like, I've just come from Afghanistan or something no, like that. Like, you <laughs> honestly, you tried doing that now, mate. Yeah. You did, you'd be <laughs> literally shot. Yeah. Uh, then I remember standing at the back of the new road, and I was standing where you could stand right at the back on the on the, on the things. I was yeah. going completely mad, and I remember when there's penalties, kind of when we lost the penalties, and I was so devastated, and then I got a cab back to Heathman's Road to this party, and I sort of slunk in, like you know, and I was just almost in tears you know what I'm saying we, we need to actually that's that's not the worst thing you've been dressed as at Brentford I've, <laughs> se- I've seen you dressed as way worse than that at Brentford matches I've seen you dressed as pirates I've seen you dressed as women 
seen you dressed as a Mexican. <laughs> what else? Come on, you must know what else you've been dressed as. Oh, I, 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 these things slip my mind, but maybe we might come back to it a little bit later. I, I remember the Mexican one. There's been a couple of Mexican ones as well. Pirate, um, definitely a pirate. I've been a pirate a couple of times as well, yes, I, I have. Yes, yeah, that was sailing down the river as well. There was, in fact, there was one time there was, there was no need to be dressed up as a pirate and I was dressed as a pirate. What Q- about QPR away on the open top bus? What were you that day? Oh, yeah, I was Darth Vader for that <laughs> one as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Of, course. <laughs> so, of course. I completely yeah. forgot about that one. But there, there was a reason for that one because it was obviously to do with... Um, yeah, there's never, ever a reason. <laughs> <laughs> there, was a, there was a reason for that. It was to do with, what was it? It was, um, it was at the time, who was the, who was the Hollywood, actor, Hollywood actor who said she was in at Brentford? Oh, um, uh, It was, uh, you know, uh, the, the lovely, you know... Actress Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz, who said at the time she she proclaimed her love for Brentford off the back of Dan Tanner because uh, Dan Tanner was her friend. Oh, I've been to Dan Tanner's restaurant as well in LA, but that's a different story altogether. As well, as? I, w- <laughs> I was dressed as a Mexican actually, so <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I, got a, I got a free meal. It was great, you know. What I'm but he, he, they thought Is that I'd, before the wall. It was before the wall, actually, you know. But um. Yeah, so Dan Tanner and, and it was Hollywood stars and, and, you know, and so there's this whole joke going around about Hollywood stars. So we decided to do a Hollywood stars bus to QPR. So everyone that had to come on had to dress as a Hollywood star, as you do. And it was open top double decker bus. And I remember actually we were driving down from, we drove from the Globe. We had, a, no, the Nelson at the time, wasn't it? So we drove from the Nelson. We got all this double decker bus and there's all sorts. There was a Pavarotti on there. There was um, there's Wookiee from uh, Star Wars and, you know. Yeah, crankies. There was all sorts of characters on this bus, and <laughs> I know, I know. It was Harvey, a bit. It was a little bit. It was a little <laughs> bit loose. This one, okay. So you've got like sixty people on this on this on this double decker bus, like you know. what I'm saying, you know, Darth Vader. You had sort of kind of you know Western. You know, there was all. Oh, it was. What else was there? There was. Uh, um, Dougal from the Magic Roundabout. Yes, there's all sorts of characters. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. That's, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so we got on the double decker bus, and I remember um, <laughs> we, we drove around, and the passers keep me up, and all of a sudden it's like, "We love you, Bridge." This keep me up pub. We, we drove past it, you know, sort of Darth Vader, anything like that. And all these keep-off fans legged out. They're looking left and right. They looked, it's like all they could see is this double-decker bus with all these characters. And I was saying, there's lightsabers and everything like that going. And we drove around the roundabout. Next minute, apparently, there's a call going in. The old Bill said, excuse me, have you just come around the roundabout with the Darth Vader and the Pavarotti and, uh, you know, and ghosts and everything like that? Oh, yeah, that's all right. Oh, that's all right, mate. That's fine then, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> which, um, actually, that reminds me of the, the, the biggest kicking we never got, which was at Stoke City, away at the Victoria Ground, where another time we were dressed as Mexicans. Yes. And we turned up. We just got off the barge, of yes, course, yeah. as you do from Stoke. You just got off yeah. a barge. It was, the, which, it was the onion barge. That's right. And, um... So we, we turned up outside the Victoria ground before they moved and um, everyone got off the coach dressed as Mexicans right outside their characters. Well, it was the coach because it was a bar so we'd walk from the, 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 the canal. Oh yeah, so yeah, I get obviously there was a one or two cold drinks had been consumed. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so we walked past this pub and it was their characters and they all come steaming out looking because they think Brentford fans opposite singing, singing and um, obviously there was 25 Mexicans <laughs> walking along and I don't think any of them could be seen to be beating up anyone that was Mexican it would have been too surreal so 
I think any other any, any other day in any other city in any other costume we would have got killed. It was like the, the Moses was parting of the waters. All of a sudden, it's just like you know, you just sort of managed to sort of go through this zone, and it was completely utterly fine, and we were completely oblivious to it. Yeah, that's the thing. If like in life, if you if you ever feel threatened, just outweird them. Bewilder people. That's right. That's right. But anyway, we've we've got we've got a little bit off tact here. Anyway, which is all good. It's all about tales, all about stories, all about Brentford. And um, I'll come back to the past there. But we just come back to the caribou, caribou, caribou pub. And um, last night, apparently, um, I mean, I had a lot of no interest in this cup. To be quite honest with you. Not that I'm sort of sport because we didn't get in there, so I decided not to watch it. But I did hear on the news that there was an animal on the pitch at Manchester City. Is that right, Ellie? There was a squirrel, apparently. I didn't, I didn't actually see it. I think Dave may have seen it. I was watching the red half of Manchester on the TV, but uh, apparently there was a squirrel. Uh, did, I mean, I was going to ask is obviously they, they talked about squirrel afterwards. Did, did this squirrel actually affect the, 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 the result of the match? I have no idea. I didn't see it. I think Dave knows more than I do. Why are you asking me? Yeah, there was there was confusion whether it was a red squirrel or a grey squirrel. It was definitely a grey squirrel that was slightly red in colour. Um, but um, yeah, they they seem to almost try and kill it with a shovel for a while. But they like live on TV. Yeah, I think they realised in the end, and they, and they were um, in the end. One of the stewards kind of gathered it, and it, the squirrel didn't look very happy. But I, I, it did get me to think that like, there's been a, a lot of. A lot of instances where there's been like wildlife in football stadia, and and um, and and pets as well. So and according to the media, they think they're mainly most of them are on the terraces actually, don't they? Well, the animals. Yeah. Yeah. Well, behind the Union Road, there's a, there's a few. There's one or two. There's one or two beasts behind there. Um, but Bill, you must have seen wildlife in your time inside a football ground. I had to hold back to whether or not I'd seen hard wildlife, and I just remembered actually I did. I remember there was a husky on the pitch, a husky, a husky at the pitch at Crew, if I remember rightly. It was uh, it was named, and we all believe it was uh, James Tarkowski's lucky husky. Um, I mean, James Tarkowski is a player that won't really be mentioned at Brentford anymore, but we can still remember very fondly his husky who came on the pitch and ran around a little bit and then he kind of got escorted off a little thing and uh, he was a lovely dog. So he'd taken away and shot? No, 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 he wasn't. I mean, Tarky. (laughs) No, but I mean, you know, that's that's, that's a pet, surely. That's not, you know, the thing that springs to mind to me up at... No, it wasn't a a pet. I mean, how do you know? It was a wild husky. It could have been, it could have been. Look, at the end of the day... wild husky in crew. Yeah. I mean, you you don't know. I know it's it's north, mate, but... It's not that far. It's not a wolf. Well, how do you, I mean, how do you know? Do you, did his owner come and, and claim her or anything like that? I mean, he, he did yeah. run onto the pitch. Yeah, the owner did come and claim it, yeah. <laughs> it's a very valuable husky that got off its leash. Yeah. So, but, but your thoughts, anyway? Well, my thoughts are that, you know, the wildlife, wildlife in, in the ground, the one that really springs out is um, bats, bats at Hillsborough. A um, couple, of, couple of years ago, game was really dull, and I was, like, looking around me, and there was lots and lots of bats, and... This is a fact. They are protected, so they can't knock down that stand. You know that stand that we look into when we're at the um, the Riverside Bar, the one you the away end, the away end, yeah, 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 the away end, the one where I was standing, the expensive end. Yeah, there's bats. It's it's it's, it's um infestated with bats. 
you, do you think that's the reason why they have to charge such high prices? It's like £39 yeah, pounds because basically it's like going to London Dungeon. I mean, if you ever been to London Dungeon, it's about 25 28 30 35 quid, you know, and, and, and they've got bats and they've got all sorts of things there. And maybe they've said, well, this is sort of a London Dungeon type experience, so we can't charge any less than they do. It's like a, like a ghost train because we seem to lose every time I've been there recently. Yeah, indeed. And Ali, I mean, I know that we didn't talk about any, any animals on maybe in league matches, but I know you've been to sort of a, quite a few training grounds things and everything like that have you seen sort of kind of any animals in around the training pitches since you've been there sort of you know in the last couple of months oh yeah there's always all sorts of um, all sorts of things going on yesterday I was at the open training session at Brentford there was a baby on the pitch at one point I don't know if that counts as wildlife I'm not sure if a baby yeah. does but no, um, wandered straight into the middle of the training session <laughs> what, the, what did the players do uh ignored it really she didn't quit quite that far but her mother was ah. my favourite my favourite animal though that I see on the pitch it, all, it actually takes me back to the games during the 80s really is pigeons there's, all, there's always there's always been flocks of pigeons that kind of come and sit just outside the penalty area where the action is like taking place up the other end of the pitch for like what seemed like hours and the ball would always just like after a while would just come back and the pigeons would just fly off and then just flutter back down again. I, I, now I, I don't see them anymore because I think the games the games are too exciting. But back in my youth, pigeons were probably more exciting than the game. Listen, talk about excitement and the game. Let's hark back to Saturday. Saturday, Sunderland came to down for the first time in a very long time. The last time Sunderland came, DJ Campbell scored two goals. Then TJ Campbell went back to the dressing room, packed his bags, and he left for Birmingham City. And we were all crying into our handkerchiefs. But listen, this is a different scenario now. Sunderland came down, they've just been relegated from the Premier League and they weren't doing very well. It's a prime opportunity for Brentford to take three points, but they didn't. Let's go back to the pubs. Let's listen to what the Brentford and the Sunderland fans had to say after the game in the pub. Yeah, coming out in the second half, I thought, eh, to be honest, I believe that Brentford should have won it because we thought we went in half-time, thinking we won it, thinking it was all over, thinking we'd done the job, got it all sealed. And uh, I believe that Brentford had more of a fight. Brentford showed the passion. And I think there's only a couple of Southern players that deserve to be on that pitch at the end of the day in the way they just tossed it away. I thought we were going to get to half-time level and then go for it in the second half, but uh, a little bit of a calamity from the, from the corner where the, the hurricane iron like a lion, Brian caught out Mr Bentley and you know, that, that gave him a bit of momentum. But I thought second half we came back well, we played well. I don't think the wind suited us quite so much. Our style of football doesn't really benefit from that. Our, our passes were kind of going a bit long and a bit deep, but you can't fault the effort from putting back. We'd have taken a point at half-time, if not before the game. I think on the base of the first half, I said the best we can get out of this game is uh, at half-time would be a draw. Um, so, you know, I'm proud of the boys for the fight. Proud of them for coming back into it. I think Dean Smith, I think, got his substitutes uh, right today as well. Thought uh, McEachern sprayed some passes around and seemed to settle us down a little bit. Where it was all getting a bit frantic and Sunderland were on top. So fair play, you know. Um, Sunderland's come here um, and three lead three one through uh, two gifts: the penalty and the uh, <coughs> and the Bentley calamity. Um, you know, it's got to be happy days. Brentford, another, another draw. We're the draw specialists of the league so far, aren't we? They were um, very content to hit, to basically hit our weak spots, which are quick balls, turn us around, quick balls over the top, a uh, bit of pace. Um, the fellas' pace for the uh, penalty, what more? I mean, we just couldn't live with him. Um, same with uh, Graben for their first goal. 
I will start to think, you know, maybe the centre-half pairing isn't the right pairing uh, for this game because they do lack pace. Um, Egan and uh, Bieland, but actually second half, um, they did really well. Um, not sure how happy uh, Barbe's going to be on the bench for much longer, but there we go. Let's be realistic, we should be beating teams like Sunderland. Teams like Sunderland, eh? Teams like Sunderland, <laughs> we should be beating them. Sunderland were awful today, they were real, real rubbish. Um, bad first half from us, you know, Bentley's slip being commented upon already. Much, much battling second half performance, the battling that I said we would need to do. We dug in as a team and actually got ground out that result with some really exciting and attacking football and uh, we were not helped today by an appalling refereeing display as well oh. you know it puts into context how good the one was last week Jeez, there we go I'm, uh, I was I was hoping we'd carry on with the result like but uh, I'll take threes apiece because we've been a bit dodgy lately but I think we lost concentration early second half and I think that's when you came into a bit uh, home advantage and all the rest of it so threes apiece I'll settle for that I think 3-1 down at half-time, you have to take the point, uh, if you're being philosophical about it. Once we equalise, there's one team in that game. Sunderland fans said exactly the same thing. Probably should have kicked on and won. Had a good good chance there, really. Header should have gone in. Put it like this, philosophically, 3-1 down at half-time feels like a good point. I think we lack a bit of composure at both at the back and going forward. We're not taking our critical chances. We're creating a lot of chances pretty much every game. We don't look assured. I think the problem that we have is as soon as we get in a commanding position, we seem to lose our, our bottle a little bit. So for 10, 15 minutes after scoring, we always look vulnerable. You showed me that stat. From winning positions, we're not good enough. We're not assured enough. And I don't know what it is because looking back historically when we've been in the championship, we've gone on and we've secured those wins from, from good positions. So something's changed this season. I still like our commitment to playing good football, but maybe we need to start winning ugly a little bit more. Uh, the Brent, Brentford fans are absolutely, absolutely first class. Seriously, seriously, if you, if you are a Southern supporter like I am, right? 3 1 up at half time, right? Nothing's ever, ever guaranteed. Seriously, at 3 1 up, right? We, we, should, we should have closed the game down, right? But we didn't. The second half, there was only going to be one team that won that match, and that, that, that wasn't Sunderland. I, th I think on, on I think I think over 90 minutes, it was probably the fair result of the draw. But Sunderland were 3 1 up out of nowhere, and then this, the best the best team in the, the best team in the game right with Brentford by far nowhere. We, we, we found ourselves 3-1 up at half-time. And if I was the manager of Sunderland, right, I wouldn't have gotten beat from the... I, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have come away from Brentford with less than three points. Brentford, second half, played really, really well, but Sunderland shouldn't have given the chance to play really well. Three's apiece. To be fair, if I was a Brentford fan, right, I'd have been a bit disappointed that we didn't come away with all three points. We're not going down 3-1 and then like giving up. We're now actually going down and battling. It, this game reminded me a bit like Burton Albion away last year. We went down at half-time and they were like, no. 3-0 at half-time. Was it 3-1-0 or 3-1? 3-1 at half-time. We come back, we scored. I went, all three? Yeah, I went to my mate's stage. I'll be honest with you. I said, right, I'll give it 15 minutes. If we don't score, I'm going to hive, get a beer there. 
we scored straight away. So for me, I'm banned from all. I know I'm banned from Facebook groups and all that sort of stuff. I personally think this team is capable of getting our top six. The players we have, like they're showing it as well. If you go three-one down, I don't care like where about Sunderland are. If they're bottom or top, they're still a big club. It's still big responsibility on that like shoulders. And they've gone three-one down. They've come back, got two goals, and they're still going for more. And for me, that shows that they are capable of doing stuff. Like any day, we're unbeaten in six games. We've got three wins, three draws. I think I was conscious of the wind, and I just thought to go one 0 up was was brilliant. Um, I don't know what other people said about the wind, but I think it played a massive part today. Um, I think it's one of those days where you know it's the same for both teams, and you just have to try and adapt to it. I didn't think we were particularly good at adapting to it. I thought Sunderland did a better job of adapting to it in the first half. I thought, what do you mean by just fruit blowing the ball in the air and just hoping it'll it, do something? Yeah, yeah, because 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 you can get away with that, can't you? If Brentford play, you know, we we're not the quickest at the back. That was clear from the first goal. So it's quite easy to put the ball in the space over the top of our defenders, isn't it? I mean, why, why wouldn't you do that, especially as we push forward quite a lot? It's, it's, it's a no-brainer. Three-one down. You're hoping the second half's going to be spun round, and you're 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 putting, you know, you're you're really really digging deep, hoping. But what they did was excellent. We really took the, we really took the game to them. We fully deserved it, and and I think we were unlucky not to get the win because we we created enough chances. For I, I I've not moaned, but I thought Joseph seemed needed to put in a shift uh, based on previous weeks. He did that today. I thought Josh McEachran produced the the, the the pass of the game when Mulpe came on. He literally got his toe to it. It was a beautiful pass, and Mulpe would have scored. Mulpe had a couple of headers, forced really good saves. Um, you know, I, 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 Brentford did really well in the second half. We're going to be, di- we are going to be disappointed because it's more points dropped. But you know, at three-one, you're clutching the straws, and we, we, we fought back well. So Sunderland fans, Brentford fans, discussing their heartfelt feelings about what they thought about the match. The thoughts about the match, this is all unedited, this is all totally and utterly from the, the fans' hearts there. And it's interesting to hear what the Sunderland fans were saying. I mean, some of the Sunderland fans were saying that we should be gutted to have only got one point. I mean, we hear this week in and week out, um, but the fact is that we are 3-1 down. And uh, we are 3-1 down, we're losing 3-1, but the Sunderland fans are telling us that we're gutted that we didn't win that game now. What's going on there? And, yeah, and other things as well. We're talking about you know the, the heart, the way that they play. We talk about the weather. There's lots of things. Laney, um, interesting um, feedback there from the fans. It was a really, really long podcast last week as well. People are really giving their thoughts and their vibes and everything like that. Um, I thought it was really interesting. No, it was. It was really interesting. And again, another very knowledgeable bunch of uh, North Northeast football fans. Um, yeah, I guess I guess we were a bit gutted, but. I think we would have been even more gutted if we were three-one up and we and, and we'd given it away and, and we ended up three-all. I think we would have been really, really sort of like, oh god, you know, here we go again. And although we were a goal up, we did find ourselves three-one down at half-time. And when I did the, vi- I, was, I was videoing a few fans and uh, a couple of them were kind of like, mm, probably we're not going to come back from this. And. Uh, and we did, so we you know, and, and we and we and we should have gone on to win it. So, but so so I don't know. We we're not gutted because I really think that you know we we because we were three one down. We we needed to get something out of the game, and we did. It's interesting, 
before the match, there was actually a little graphic that went up. It was actually on a Sunderland website that we actually nicked out of the Sunderland website. And we tweeted it out during the game because this graphic actually showed the team characteristics, both Brentford's strengths and Sunderland's strengths. And we just threw it out there. We thought, oh, wow. And then during that match and after the match, everyone goes, oh, my God, this really reflected what went on. Just want to read these out because I think it's really important to discuss this. But Brentford's strengths, they said, shooting from direct free kicks. We're going to put this up, obviously, on the on the website, on Besotted.com. We'll also put it on the information page for this, how you can get a link to it. Um, so you can see it as well if you want to have a look at it. But Brentford's strengths, shooting from direct free kicks. Attacking set pieces, strong. Creating long shot opportunities, strong. Creating scoring chances, strong. Brentford's weaknesses, finishing scoring chances, weak. Defending against through ball attacks, weak. Defending set pieces, weak. Aerial duels, weak. Protecting the lead, very weak. There's no club shop in there actually. Oh, okay, no. Sorry. So so but that's really interesting, like I'm saying. And people are looking at that match and think, oh blimey, you know. Um shooting from direct free kicks, we scored a goal, strong. So they got that right, you know, attacking set pieces, strong, you know, creating scoring chances, strong. We we create loads of them, you know. Finishing scoring chances, weak. We miss loads. Protecting the league, weak. Again, we gave away a lead. Sunderland strength, stealing the ball from the opposition. Very strong. Yeah. Right? As again and and, 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 yeah. and coming back and coming and coming back from losing positions, strong as well. They came back from one nil down as well. So their weaknesses, keeping possession of the ball, weak. Defending counter attacks, weak. Defending set pieces, weak. Avoiding individual errors, very weak. Defending against attacks down the wings, very weak. Do we exploit that? Defending attacks through ball um, through through ball attacks, very weak. Avoiding fouling in dangerous areas, very weak. I mean, we just talk about that because that is very, very interesting. Um, but the question we ask off the back of that as well is that looking at that, and if you've got to assume that both Brentford and Sunderland have sort of seen that in some format or the other. I mean, we're meant to be the stats gurus, so we've had that in some sort of format. They've looked at Sunderland and they thought, right, this is what Sunderland's good at. That's what they're not what they're good at. This is what we're good at. This is not what we're good at. There was an interesting team sort of selection here today. Now, the question is that do we choose a team according to the opposition and also the conditions? Ali, what do you think? Looking at them stats and looking at that, what's going on there? A couple of things that struck me, actually. The, the one that struck me most is considering the conditions with the wind and especially how when we're playing against the wind, so suddenly are playing with the wind, how the ball will fly quicker, how the ball will move quicker. Bielend, for all his merits and all the stuff he's good at, speed is not his forte. He has um, all the speed of an articulated tractor. So why... As a Devonian. As a Devonian, I thought I'd just throw that in there. Um, So why, for me, it was an odd selection to pick him ahead of Barbe for that game because Barbe is much quicker across the ground. And I think the second goal in particular, I think a lot of that was down to... As well as misunderstanding, Bieland being not having the pace to get back after the initial mistake. First goal. So, sorry, Dow Scott, sorry. But was it Dow Scott? No, the, the first goal. First goal was Dow Scott. No, second goal I'm talking the about. Well, the, the, the second. Second goal was a punch into punch the neck. So, did it not go through Bieland out? No, Bieland Egan. Yeah, Bieland Egan. It went through the middle of them and they stood and looked at each other. That was the equaliser. Yeah, that was the equaliser, and that's what I'm talking about. Anyway, let's cut that bit out. Um, so I just found that a bit odd that, that we didn't pick our fastest centre-back, we picked our slowest centre-back. 
for that match. And also... Uh, the, the question, and, the, and it's good, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but just question coming back to that is also, but did you think that maybe, because do you think that BLN is better in the air, and do you think that maybe they thought they're going to be hitting us with an aerial attack for this game? I don't think anybody, any of them were great in the air on Saturday, to be honest. Um, I, I, they, were, they made a lot of headers, but they weren't heading out. You know, it was headers up into the air and headers that weren't going anywhere. So I, I'm not sure. I, I just found it an odd selection given the conditions. And I also found it very odd that I'm a great fan of Romain Sawyers, but that game wasn't made for him because Sunderland were very quick to pick up on. They'd probably been told it, that he likes time on the ball, and they didn't give him any time on the ball at all. By the time he went off, they were robbing him of it almost every time and I, I'm surprised McEachran didn't come on a lot earlier well especially with the stat again that Sunderland are very good at stealing the ball off people yeah. as well I mean they, 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 they did not waste any time no. they harried us they as yeah. they say in basketball full court press yeah. so they were on you like properly hardcore from day one they didn't give us any time and we did file ourselves losing the ball a lot and especially Romain Sawyers who I thought he's had a great season but that mm. wasn't his best game on Saturday he lost the ball a lot on Saturday didn't he yeah no he did and I given that the way that was unfolding, I would have got McEachern on a lot quicker than I did because McEachern was happier to play the ball a lot quicker, get it away from his feet a lot quicker, and wasn't robbed as much as it as as a result. I, I think it just highlights the same old inadequacies. I'm not sure we know what we're going to get from our defence from one game to the next. I, I, I think you know um, that same that that same defence will get us a clean sheet next week, and it, it might get us a clean sheet the game after, but it might leak three this week and I just don't for whatever reason and, and you know it's, it's, a, it's a recurring subject that for whatever reason we cannot get a consistent watertight defence this is something that's gone on for three four five years now um, and, and I don't know what the solution is and, and you know Harley Harley leaving's not made one jot of difference um, you know Odebajo leaving didn't make one bit of difference Tarkowski leaving didn't make one one jot of difference um, uh, Bielend having a dodgy knee and not, not, not having that much pace has not made one jot of difference Egan you know it, it, and whether it's Egan whether it's Barbe whether it's Colin left back right back whatever we've, we've played all we've played a huge amount of combinations there and whatever it is, it doesn't ever lead to a really solid defence over a, over a period of three or four matches. One or two games, yeah, three games, maybe. But beyond that, it's we're in the lap of the gods again. And, and I mean that game, we we were in the lap of the gods. I mean we were we were praying to the gods in the first half, you know, as we were like three one down. Then Lewis Graben, who's our old Brentford player, who we rejected and we said not good enough for us mate but he came and he he terrorized us to a certain extent he had a he had a pretty good game in the first half and especially down that wing with his speed he came out there and he scored a goal and a very well taken goal as well he causes a few problems the player who i thought was going to cause us a few problems eddie mcgeady who scored a couple of brilliant goals up at preston last season actually uh, didn't cause us that many problems this time but also but it's Dunkman Watmore who also caused us the problems particularly in the first half as well and it's coming back to this whole thing is that you know choosing a team according to the opposition do you look at them do you think right who are we going to how are we going to combat these players like you know so that was interesting but also obviously we were 3-1 down and we felt properly down at half time I mean we're looking at it thinking how the hell are we going to come back from that especially as we scored a goal 
directly on half time that penalty which sort of kind of came a little bit out of the blue is like oh oh no it's a penalty oh no it's dead on half time next minute they were three one up we thought there was no comeback after that but we did come back from three one to three all now the question is that if we were three one up at half time and then we'd lost two goals we'd be in the same position but is it worse to be three one down at half time and come back or 3-1 up at half-time and come back because in principle it doesn't really matter Ali oh it's far better to come back far better to come back because you you come out with a more positive ad, more positive attitude of what you've done I mean it, you could you know it was a good fight back they showed real character whereas if you'd been 3-1 up and thrown away goals in the way we did rather throw away goals on Saturday you'd have come back and oh for goodness sake we threw that away and you'd have been a real downer so I think it's better to to come back but, 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 but I'm just saying, yes, in principle, yes, and this is the psychological thing, but you've made three. I mean, Dean Smith was raging at half-time. He, angry Mr Smith, he called himself, and he was raging because he said to him, you made mistakes at the half-time, you made three mistakes, you've given them three goals, they didn't have anything else, they had two shots and goal, this is absolutely ridiculous. So we've made three mistakes in the first half, but then the second half we've actually made better so if, technically isn't it just it's just you know does, does it really really matter yeah well it is, it is it's a classic case of swings and roundabouts and he's right and we did give three goals away you know as Ali said you know the the um, Bielend and um, Bielend did struggle against Graben and Graben took his goal brilliantly um, and, and credit to him as well I mean he, he didn't really celebrate and we di- he didn't owe that to us if I'm not honest with you you know he, he was he was with us but wasn't with us and we didn't rate him at the time but he's matured he's matured into a very good um, striker you know we wouldn't have given him that amount of years he didn't he didn't warrant that amount of years so there's no, there's no regrets there um, the second goal was um, the the Bentley um, punch into his own goal Ashley Bayes-esque punch into his own goal you've got to blame the win for that I, I give Bentley the, you know, the, the benefit of the doubt there and the third goal Woodsy shouldn't have made that challenge in the area he, he, he shouldn't have made it I, he, you know he, yeah okay he was going to try and stop the cross going in but as, as for is it better to come back or, or give, give the lead away it's always the feeling at the final whistle is the one you go away with that split second Ah, high or low is, is, is what you go away with. And I, and I think we came away from that actually quite flat. I, I'd say, you know, obviously, it was better that we did come back. But I think, you know, we, we, it wasn't the last-minute equaliser. We, we still had time, we still had time to, to get an extra goal. And, and I think we, we probably deserved it. And also, the feeling that we come away with is the same feeling, similar feeling to what the players are going to come away with. So I think the play, players are going to come away with feeling slightly more positive than if it had been the other way around than if we'd thrown away a 3-1 lead I mean they won't be happy with their mistakes their individual errors but I think they'll feel more positive that they came back and they were able to fight back and they showed the character to fight back because I doubted that they had the character to fight back that team and this is where I'm a, I'm a hypocrite because last week I was saying unbeaten runs don't mean anything and it's better to better to lose if you're going to win three after that but I'm glad we didn't lose um, and that, that draw is important because it actually does play in our minds going to Preston we, we go there thinking yeah we've made mistakes and we, and we, we got a draw um, but it, it, at the end of the day it's Sunderland and you look at the league position and you think yeah they're rubbish but they, there's some brilliant players in there there's some very very good players in there it's not, it's not clicking for them at the moment but a point against Sunderland you know is, is, that, is that really that bad? 
Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I mean, it's again, look at the end of the season, you know, we, we looked at the Wolves result and we probably thought, oh no, we got nil all, but it's probably not that bad. And we lost 1-0 against Sheffield United. We, we should have probably drawn, if not beaten them. And now we probably look at that thinking, oh blimey, that wasn't actually that bad a result. We could have got hammered. But just coming back to this whole thing about, you know, when do you win, when do you lose? So taking this whole concept on the season then. So hold on a second. So if you have a good first bad first half of the season and a good second half of the season then everyone seems to be okay with that but if you have a a very bad first half of the season did I say that actually is that the right one no if you have a good first half of the season and a bad second half of the season then people got down even though those seasons are kind of similar I mean a couple of seasons ago was it last season the season before it's only one season we had a bad we had a bad first half of the season and then we came out of it and brilliant and all of a sudden we had a brilliant run and everyone's buzzing you know what I'm saying? We had the bad first half of the season. So what I'm trying to do is I'm going to take this theory that you've got about um, your good half and your bad half, and you're thinking, oh, it's brilliant because we've had a brilliant second half. I mean, at the moment, we haven't had the best first half of the season. Right? We could have had a better first half of the season, but we still think we're good. So what happens if we have a, a brilliant second half of the season? Does that mean that everything's all forgiven? So you cued me up. You cued me up perfectly for my... My, my weekly it's a nine month season you know and 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 and, and I, I have to keep I, you know and again this isn't this I haven't got I have not got this tattooed on my arm but this is something that I've only discovered in the last three or four years is the fact that you know you 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 have you until until May the 5th comes around you can't you can't tell you can't take anything for granted and you can't you can't actually come up with too many conclusions yeah i mean you, you go through month by month and you think oh yeah well i'm beating this month or we've had a good month and play manager of the month and all this and that and the other and it actually breaks it down into nine nine periods of time but you know it's it's where you the, the league table only shows at the end of the season and the fact that we've finished the last three in the top 10 um, yeah, we've had a we've had a poor start to the season. We, it, it's way below our expectations. It really is, and I'm, I'm not making excuses. But I don't I don't think any of us are in a position where we can really tell where we are this season until May. And, and that's not to kind of oh just let it go and everything's all right. Of course you've got you need to try and you know you need to tackle that chart. You need to look at all your weaknesses and work out how we could eradicate the weaknesses and make them more strengths, of course. And, that, and that's what you hope stats guys are doing. They're looking, they're looking at this data and they're working out ways of how we can improve during the course of the season. But, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't, all, I know, all I know is that this, this team and the football that we're playing is way up there with the teams of the last three years so you would assume that the finish is going to be roughly the same and if it's a if it's two or three places below that then it is but it is not a relegation team i was just going to say that i was thinking about this today and if you look at where we were in our first season in the championship at a similar stage of the season we were pretty much the same 17th 18th and we were get went to November, and we had a load of massive teams play in November, didn't we? So, so that was the Warburton. So that's the Warburton season, our first season in the. We all forget the Warburton season. We didn't start it particularly well. We were seventeenth, eighteenth, which is where we are now. 
at the end of October, and then we put that great run in November into December. You know, we beat Fulham, we beat Derby, all the teams that we didn't think we were going to beat. Somebody came up with a hashtag which we won't mention about November, yeah. and it was you know, and now we think of it, it was a great season, and it wasn't all the way through. We stuttered the first three months, and again last season, and I, it's quite possible Marcondes is going to come in and do a hotter. In January. It's interesting as well because also again, and we mentioned this before. I mean, Andre Gray started off that season, and he he couldn't he couldn't he couldn't put the ball. He didn't even know where the goal was, did he? No. I mean, he was properly struggling, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. He was huffing and puffing. He yeah. had no he had no idea what was going on. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But and he was getting he was getting dogs abused as well by the fans as well. It was really bad. And it's interesting because we talk about this as well because people really forget really quickly as well sometimes. Like, oh, no, you know, Andre Gray, what do we sell him for? He's like, basically, he scored like 18 goals in four months, really. That's, that's the reason why. Before that, he scored like two goals in like 20 games or something. And let's remember as well, with the comparison thing, that Andre Gray was not brought to be our number one striker. Mm. It was supposed to be Scott Hogan. And the same thing has happened to Malbe. He wasn't brought in to be the number one striker. It was supposed to be Vibe. And Malpe's had to take it on. And he's found himself in a similar position to Andre Gay was in the first few months. So, who knows? Malpe might suddenly go on a goal scoring. I mean, there's a, there's a massive proviso in all of this. The, the proviso is that in November or in December, we're going to have an absolutely worldy month. And we, we, we are going to win four or five games. You know, other, <laughs> otherwise, if that doesn't happen, if we carry on, we carry on plot. I mean, I, I'm going to say we're plodding at the moment. You know, we're playing very good football, but in results terms, we're plodding. If that continues, then we're in trouble. You know, that, that's a fact. You know, the, the, all of this, it's a nine-month season. Um, we're not playing any worse than we have done in the last three years, so why shouldn't we finish in the top ten? That only works if we have a brilliant eight weeks or, or ten-week period. If that doesn't happen, then we, we're, we are in trouble. So, I mean, Saturday we were in trouble for the first half. And then the second half, we got better. And at the very end of the game, to be quite honest with you, I did enjoy the very end of the game because it was really exciting. The crowd was behind it. They were cheering. It was a vibe. And then when the whistle went, everyone stayed behind for ages. It was like, it was kind of like some sort of like last game of the season that we just got to the playoffs and everyone was just like applauding. Just stay there. And they carried on applauding. And it was really great. But the, talk about this and the atmosphere and the crowd. The crowd considering that Sunderland brought down 1,600, was 10,600. So you had 9,000 Brentford fans in the house for the Sunderland game there on Saturday. And I said all the season ticket holders, people that haven't turned up, they still would have been counted. So maybe there was 8,000 Brentford fans or 7,500, something like that, you know, just throw the, those figures around. Now, listen, that ain't great, OK? We ain't doing great on the pitch, but my belief is always that it's not necessarily all about the pitch. Yeah, the pitch does, to a certain extent, drag people in. But you've also got to build up the club and the vibe. And this is not knocking the market department or what they're doing. There's some wicked things that are happening out there. But also, we are Brentford and maybe we are limited by certain things that we've got to think a little bit broader. But it's a little bit worrying that we had... 8,000-ish Brentford fans there on Saturday for this game. And again, the atmosphere isn't great. And people are talking about how can we improve the atmosphere. There was a meeting about the stadium um, the stadium consultation group the other day. And one of the main points there as well is that how are we going to improve the stadium at Lionel Road, the atmosphere at Lionel Road? Because we need to make sure if we're moving to a stadium, which is not 12,000, but it's 17,500, we need to make sure it is full. And also it is buzzing with people who are going to be making an atmosphere. So this is a little bit of a concern, I know, to you, Ali, because you talk about this a lot. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I think 
it's if we can't, I, I find it slightly concerning. We can't sell out the stadium against, and whatever way you look at it, Sunderland are, are a very big club. We can't sell out if we can only get eight thousand fans there of our own fans there. That's a massive concern going to a seventy thousand seat stadium. I also do think when the crowds are bigger, the atmosphere is as good. I think it's that age-old thing of those who sing, those who chant, those who cheer are split up more. There's not pockets, so the sound doesn't carry as much. Whereas where I sit in New Road, the sound from the way end carries a lot because they're all in one one section. Well, it's interesting you say that because you were saying that you heard the Sunderland fans, you can hear the Brentford fans, but we couldn't. We didn't hear the Sunderland fans really hardly at all from no. where we were. Couldn't hear, couldn't hear Ealing Road at all. I didn't hear you. No, well, I, <laughs> you would have been. I was the one who stood up after the third goal. Fight! Fight! Um, but, yeah, so it's... It, I don't know. They've got to get the acoustics right in the new stadium. They're very much so. The sound doesn't travel. Um, and I, I, I just think... The atmosphere of the... I hate to criticise new, you know, people coming in, but I think the atmosphere for me over the last three or four seasons has gone down. Now, whether that's because our expectations are higher and therefore for some people we're not... Because we're not reaching those expectations, they're therefore becoming downhearted and don't feel like making noise. I don't know, but something's, something's which, changed. Which is, a bit up, which is a bit worrying considering we've been ninth, 10th and 5th, yeah. like, you know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, what do you expect? Try and be an Ipswich fan. They've been in this league for about 75 years, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, you know, and uh, Trombie and a Blackburn fan who, oh, no, they're actually in uh, League One, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, atmosphere-wise, uh, I, I hear what you're saying, but, you know, maybe, again, we were talking about the expectation yeah. and getting new fans in and, and, you know, is it in this, again, this is not a disrespect on new fans or old fans or whatever like that, but um, when new fans are coming in, they've come in, I mean, over the past five, six years... We've just had good times. We were thinking about this the other day since what twenty, probably since Uwe Rosler's come yeah. in, and just yeah. after that, we've had some proper jokes. Every season, there's been like you know, oh blimey, we've we're playing good football this season. That's what started off, and oh, we've just nearly get the playoffs. Oh, we got to the 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 Lane and Daff or whatever it is trophy. Oh, we got to the playoffs. Oh, we hit we hit the crossbar. Oh, we got promoted. Every year, we're doing something which is really wicked. So when you've got that, you've got that expectation, and I know that the younger fans will turn around and they'll hate hearing the older fans saying, we weren't like this back in the day, you know, when we went to Waldershot back in 1973 and there was 15 of us and we still supported our team, you know, and they hate all that kind of stuff. I do understand that to a certain extent, but there is a case of a little bit of, A, you know your history, and B, also the fact is that you can't necessarily expect to win and be up there the whole time, you know, which doesn't stop you from getting behind and supporting your team. There's four things there, Bill. Technically, in 1973, Aldershot, there were 17 there, (laughs) right? And and secondly, I'm going to play devil's advocate and I'm going to say that of the... I'm going to say there was was 9,000, 9,500 Brentford fans there, or 9,000 Brentford fans there. I'm not going to say the... I reckon all the season ticket holders were there. Um... I will say that also, so point, point three is the fact that I, I actually think there's, no, there's actually zero jeopardy this season. I think a lot of fans, it might, might be Freudian, I don't know whether it is, it's, it's subliminal, they actually know that we're not going to go down and they know that we're not going to go up and it's really actually difficult to, to, to manufacture that raw 
kind of there's something at stake here. When we did have we did have that that the Orient game uh, at Brisbane Road, where it felt like there was everything at stake in that game, and it was it you know, life and death. It maybe is a little bit too harsh, a little bit too extreme to say that. But we we we, we haven't got that. We we know that we're not going to go up this year, and we know that we're not going to go down this year. So you know, really, you know, you can't conjure this kind of I've got to be there mentality. This 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 life and death. This sing your hearts out for the land. That the, it is the be all and end all. So there's, there's, there's an honesty there, um, but but equally, you know, if you can't, you know, we, we've waited long enough for this. You know, just just come along and enjoy it. As, well, as what I say, it's like just just get your ass out and come down and watch Brentford play Sunderland. For God's sake, you know, should be a sellout. It should be. You see, I think there's a different type of fan because I, if I can't make a game. I am absolutely gutted. I'll move heaven and earth, except for our own game, to get there. You know, I'll jiggle stuff around and whatever. And I hate it when I can't go. Absolutely hate it when I've had to work. Although I did dodge a bullet with the Norwich Caribou Cup game, as you said. But I absolutely hate it when I can't. Dodge the bullet? Yeah. Was it, was it, wasn't the, the North- two nil nil. Was the one the a no- new year? North Ham- work. Was it not the Northampton gun? No, not the Northampton gun. No. The new year... The New Year Norwich and the Caribou Cup Norwich. I was at work both times, dodged, but dodged two bullets, not just one. So I'm quite happy with that. But I was still gutted that I didn't go. So I think there's, I don't know. I feel that I have to be there every week. You know what I mean? Maybe there's, maybe there's absolutely now. There's there's nine thousand of us, nine and a half thousand of us. You have to be there every week. Yeah, and and then there's there's a there's another two thousand uh, like flaky flaky bees. Um, where it is, it doesn't mean the end, be all and end all to them. Which you they know, have a life. yeah. So, but but that, but 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 maybe we need to actually take that on board and actually like recalibrate where we think we are as a size of a club. And we talk about this in, an, in, a, in another edition, probably. But you know, we're we're you know, I'm I'm I was actually di- really disappointed about the, the downsizing of the, the the new stadium. I actually thought that you know, the, I actually took it as a negative that we were we were looking at uh, you know eighteen thousand instead of twenty thousand. And the more and more I see, of uh, it's kind of like it makes it more and more of a sensible decision. So listen, sensible decisions, day in and day out, happening around Brentford, happening all over the place. We're going to be talking more about what's happening around our club, what's happening around the league, and just what's happening maybe up north after this. So as you know, you know, as, as Brentford fans, you know, things are up, things are down sometimes, but we always try and find a vibe. So if things aren't quite happening with one team, we have a little look around to see what else is going on at Brentford, because there's always something good that is going on somewhere it might be on the terraces it may be in in, in the reserve squad it may be over in the town of Brentford it may be in the pubs that's just what we do and uh we got our reporter Ali Malali who's actually been doing a little bit of work for the besotted crew and she found some absolutely teething tremendous activity happening over in Jersey Road this week Ali how was it yeah we went along to the open training session um yesterday morning and uh, it was very enlightening. There was no tea, there was only coffee, which was not a good thing from my point of view, because I don't drink coffee. But beyond that, moving on from my personal, personal problems, um, it was really enlightening, actually. Um, the way the players train, the intensity at which they train is incredibly high. Um, tech, tech, the technology they use, they're trapped everywhere they run. They wear these, not just heart rate monitors, but GPS 
see how many how far they run in training they've got heart rate monitors on the whole time see how hard they're working this is just in training and they're training on quite a, sm a small pitch small pitch small pitch sorry too many vodka and coats small pitch and it's small small sided games but with drills what we saw and I'm sure there was stuff that we didn't see that um, but a lot of it involved pressing the ball working high pressing the line high and it really was quite illuminating because even though it's only training not even five or five games but training drill games that they're involved in oh my god something goes wrong yeah, that can't be a penalty how can we start that again how can you not start that again it's sort of like they are really really into it so they work incredibly hard they're incredibly committed to it and it really was quite illuminating and um one of the highlights for me was Judgey was still on his own. That's was, Alan Judge. Yeah. Alan Judge. Alan Judge. For those who don't know who Judgey is, and he was he was um, sprinting. He was doing quick changes of direction. He was kicking the ball, and afterwards, uh, you know, he spoke to spoke to the players. Will come over and they speak to you, and they sign autographs. The kids have their photos taken, and they're all delightful as they all always are, and. Um, he was saying that he's he's going to be back in full. Well, he should be back in full training next week. Dean Smith was also asked the same question. He said the same thing. So it looks like Judgey's rejoining the group and training with the first team again next week. The only disappointing thing was, um, from, from my point of view, is I was unable to ask Sergi about his new hairstyle, as he was in Milan with the B team and Lewis McLeod, I think, and Justin Shapey were we were told had gone off to Milan with the B team as well. So I would have liked to have known the reasoning behind Sergi's. Hair, but there you go. Well, the, the the positive that I would like to talk about this week is um, the um, the new um, pitch side illuminations, because um, um, dur during the during the game there was a, an offer for um, a, a, a drill. It was uh, I think it was from home base or it was from one of those, and you got. You mean you actually read? Them? Yeah, yeah, and oh. you get a, you got a free battery for every drill that you bought. You got two batteries free. And I just thought that was an amazing. I mean, so I missed this. I missed the. I missed the comeback because missed I the goal. missed. Well, I missed the equaliser because I was down at home base queuing up to get my <laughs> to get my to get my drill. So it was it was a, a, a very it was a, a, it was rewarding then. Oh God, yeah. yeah. Oh Christ, yeah. It's good. It's good. I mean, I mean, where else can you get batteries? Tell me. Not for precious few places, I can tell you. No. No, and it's interesting, just coming back to as Ali was saying as well. So first of all, like I said, the news is Alan Judge is back in full training from next week. So Alan Judge, um, as we say, is that when we talked about this quite a lot with Besotted, we said that he's going to probably be back after Christmas, hopefully in contention for a place which will actually add a much needed spark to the team as well as uh, Mark Condes as well who's coming over from Denmark as well in uh, January so this is this whole half of the season thing which you talked about a little bit earlier is it the case it's going to be a, a season of two halves where this season is the so-so half and the second half all of a sudden we already take off we shall see is, but it, um, is it blasphemous to say that Alan Judge coming back is like the second coming of Christ is that blasphemous? Um, well, it's it's an interesting uh, analogy that you have here. Um, and Ireland judges is is, is, is Catholic. Funny, yeah, it did go. It did go funny. It's almost <laughs> like I got very. It's almost like I got very excited, didn't I? I just started salivating. Yeah, I thought that judgey coming back, and I, I couldn't talk anymore. Like I'm saying, I had to put a special effect on on, ah. <laughs> on the podcast there. But um, the second coming of Christ is, is very very interesting, and it depends on you know on on, on, on who you do believe in as well. Um, I think that maybe I'll turn around and I'll say that you know judgey coming back is just a, a, an extremely exciting moment for all Brentford fans don't you think Ellie? 
Yeah, more akin to the second coming of Hotter than the second coming of Christ, I feel. Yeah, indeed. But just coming back to as well, because it's interesting when was the that last you... Time you came twice? Anyway, as I was saying, it's like, as we were saying, we um, Ali said that Canos <laughs> was not at the training ground, because no. interestingly, Canos was over in Italy. He was over in Italy, um, and it's interesting because we talked about this as well, because you see the amount of players, the amount of inverted commas, B-team stroke A-team players, or B-team players who become into the A, who come into the A-team, all of a sudden, who decided to abandon their positions on the bench on Saturday... Uh, to go over to Italy, you know, we, we had, we had, we had, we had Ilias. No, you're troublemaking. No, no. <laughs> no you're troublemaking. Like, Canos didn't want to be there because he knew that Ali was stalking him. <laughs> right? And he needs to get fit. It's, it's about fitness. It's about fitness. I'm just making a point. Ilias, I mean, he's normally on the bench, but all of a sudden it's like, oh, hold a second, Sunderland or Inter Milan or AC Milan. Hmm, let me see. So all of a sudden you notice the Shibu was over there, the Ilias was over there, you know, the old Archibald, so all these players that are normally on the bench. No, I'm just saying. So obviously they, they just thought, tell you something, this is a nice little. They, got, they had the tour of the older San Siro Stadium, which I told you last week that I was at the San Siro with the Ipswich fans all these years ago. So I've been there before as well characters but you know what I'm saying but it was, it was interesting so these guys weren't there but I have to talk about the B team we were going to be at the B team game today we were going to honestly I was even looked at the flights a couple of days I did even look at the yeah, flights a couple of days ago <laughs> looking on the internet no 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 no. it was I did I cleared it I cleared it cleared it with the missus and everything like that I was even talking about bringing my son and everything like that but the prices had shot up massively and for a night to go and spend over to watch the B team even though they're fantastic not quite sure but team absolutely brilliant they played Atalanta uh, to all before it was not a bad result then all of a sudden like last weekend when we were um, uh, getting the draw against Sunderland they beat AC Milan 4-3 we thought brilliant result Jan Novak who gets a lot of plaudits as well. He scored a goal. Archibald, who our boy from Celtic, he's come down there, scored a goal as well. Clayton scored a penalty after being fouled, and they got up and scored the penalty. Brilliant. And then Archibald scored a second one. So we were falling one up at half-time. Absolutely brilliant result. We thought, great, against AC Milan, but not even as good as today. They played Inter Milan today, the game that we almost went to, but didn't quite go to as well. And uh, we won 3-1. We beat Interman 3-1 with Canos scoring, Archibald scoring and Shibu scoring. So you had a sort of kind of first team, second team thing going on there. But the fact is that we can go against the greats of Inter Milan, take them on and beat them on their home turf. So the B team, there's something going on with the B team. I mean, people are laughing saying, oh, but we lost to Luton a couple of weeks ago. But listen, you know, this is, this, these things are bound to happen. But if you're going to go to into Italy and you beat two of their top teams out there you've got to have something going on with your team surely yeah we're going into Europe we're showing the best of Europe the best of Brentford we've gone out there and we've shown we've shown those Italians We've shown, the Ita- yeah, we've shown the Italians that we can play football. We've shown that we can actually match them at their game and we can match them on their own turf. And at the end of the day, I'm sure that a lot of them players, they're probably like similar to Man United and Man City. We beat Man City 5-2 the other day. Some of those players are probably on 40, 50, 30 in the week. Oh, my God. There's, there's Ashley. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ashley's back. This is absolutely amazing because you're going to be hearing about Ashley later on in this podcast as well. But Ashley, you know... <laughs> Astley. 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 That's what I'm saying. Astley. You know, the old Astley. They've got Astley on here as well. So, I mean, Astley's going around everywhere, but we're coming back to this as coming, well. Coming back, to, coming yeah. back to it. You know, whatever team. I dance, sorry, there's dancing going on to Astley and everything inside this booze. This is quite bizarre. 
<laughs> you're dancing. Um, but yeah, whatever team that AC or Inter Milan put out, it's gonna, it's, it's clearly gonna be technically better than a Brentford team, or or it should be, uh, or unless we're doing something radically brilliant, which we clearly are. We clearly, clearly are. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't. Yeah, obviously we we lost against Luton, so you know we can't just we can't eradicate that. That that the fact that that fact is in somewhere, but we are we are clearly punching above our weight at, at, at a certain level and. And you know, why why would we want to talk that down? Okay, we're not champions of Europe, but you know, there are obviously players that we're we're identifying, we're playing, we're honing, we're giving confidence to that are are, are better on their day than than what AC and Inter are doing with with multi billion pound pots. You know, um, you know, we have to pat ourselves on the back for that. Where it goes, where where this links up with us being in the top flight. I'm, I'm, I'm still confused. But, 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 I mean, for us, it's not, for me, it's not necessarily about that. It's about getting players through who actually might play in the, yeah. in the, in the, in the, the, the eighteen. There can never, there can never ever be anything bad by a, a representative Brentford team beating a representative team from one of the biggest teams in Europe ever. So, you know, and like I said to you, the, the goal scorers, Canos, Archibald and Shaibu. Hopefully Canos is going to be against p on Saturday, which hopefully is going to make them quiver. We've got Archibald who's been in and out on, on the bench on the A-team. He's only joined us about three or four months ago. So maybe like in a year's time, he might be a little bit more of an established player. But that's, you know, instead of, instead of you spending two or three million pounds on a player, to buy somebody like that and then give him a year to come through, that's the way we should be doing this. And obviously Shaibu, people have been talking about him. A lot of people are giving him props. Other people are saying, mm, question mark about him. Him. But listen, you know, maybe he needs another year or there's two. A, there's, a but question, there's a question mark over every single Brentford player, you know, apart from literally one or two. Mm. I mean, I, I, I want to see more of Shaibu. I, I think yes. I, I think he's he's a, you know, when, when I look at him warming up, he looks a beast. He looks the quickest player up and down that touchline yeah. I've ever seen. Um, you know, I, I, I want to see him as much as I want to see more pay, as much as I want to eBay. I, I want I want to see those three players like up front just to see what we see what they're, they're they're capable of i don't want to see him going out on loan anywhere i think i think there's capacity i think there's, there's room for for him to be in the first team a little bit more because I, I think his goals in him is he frightens people he frightens frightens them so much and so and so all i to say is excellent work the, the 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 family day the the day out the training day Lots of brilliant feedback from that and also the B team. You've got to give the props to the B team. We did our B team special. If you check out thebesotted.com or theaudioboom.com and just go into the Besotted uh, site and there you could just check out our B team special we did a year ago or so. Um, absolutely brilliant. Um, and we've got to say tip your hats to um, Kev O'Connor, tip your hat to Rob Rowan, tip your hats to everybody who's involved in the B team set up, all the players and everything like that. Because like I said to you, you're just doing your thing, you're pulling it together and you're making Brentford feel proud and all those fans are very proud of what you've done. So Saturday... We are up to Preston North End very early. We're on the train, ridiculous hour, 7.30 in the morning. We're going to be in Preston by 9.30 in the morning. But it is one of our absolutely and totally favourite away days. And can't wait to go up there. There's a little crew of us going up there. We need more bees up there. All the bees that are going up there are going to have a proper, proper, wicked, deep tremendous 
time. But tell you something, Preston North End, they've been doing brilliant this season. They're absolutely and totally up the top there. They've downfounded everybody with the results, and they're up there, right up there with the big boys. I've got no idea what's going on in Preston, but what I thought is I'm going to speak to one of the characters we're going to meet meeting on Saturday. I'm going to ask Astley, because Astley knows everything going on at Preston. Ben Astley, how you doing, my man? I'm all right, mate. How are you, Billy? Are you well? I'm not, I'm not too bad at all, mate. I'm very much looking forward to coming up on Saturday. You looking forward yeah, to uh, greeting us? Yeah, Absolutely. mate. It's all good. give you a warm welcome. Yeah, um, you always give us a warm welcome as well. Like, so you're going to be wearing your little hat on Saturday? Uh, I don't know. It's been quite mild uh, recently, so no, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Fat Cat might come out. We'll have to wait and see what the weather's like. We'll see what the weather's like. So listen, Ed, listen, Preston North End, you've been doing absolutely wicked this season so far. I mean, what's been going on? What's the change? Where did that come from? I think the change has been a number of things. I think um, Simon Grayson have been at the club for four years. Um, an opportunity came for him which you can understand why he, he took um, bigger clubs, uh, perhaps more um, ambitious for him, more money perhaps, but you can understand why that, why that happened. Towards the end of last season, um, things formed a little bit, started to look a bit stale, and you can understand why he left. Um, the club has also undergone two dissimilar to Brentford in, in trying to identify um, young talent which could be developed and potentially either sold on for profit or move the club towards its ultimate ambition of getting to the Premier League. So it, it's kind of been working twofold. They've been bringing younger players in. They identified Alex Moon, being successful at Norwich and Hamilton. Um, he's come into the club and he's been a breath of fresh air, really. Um, he's been very frank, been very honest. Um, he, he's got a way of playing with the, the players that he's got with him. They play high tempo, high pressing game from what I've seen so far. And uh, with young players, play with high energy, with a lot of pace. And it, with the pace up front, alongside uh, a battering ram, Jordan Hugo, it, it's paid dividends so far in terms of the, the results that we've got. Very positive. The fans seem to be quite happy. Um, and it, it, you, can, you can see the strategy within the club. Not too dissimilar to, to, to where... Where, Brent, where you as Brentford fans can see the strategy of what your club were trying to do on limited resources. We can with ours, if you get me, if you understand where I'm coming from. Yeah, I can indeed. And it looks like it's probably, well, just what you're saying there, it's probably going to be five all on Saturday as well, like, you know what I'm saying? Which is a you know, <laughs> pressing game and everyone's flying at it. But listen, we've got the characters in the pub, we've got our beers, yep. we've got our private drinking, our yep. beers here and there, but we want to well, have a little section. So I, I, I'm all right as well. So, I, I, so I've, I've got my big gin glass, so I'm all right. So you... So you've got your gin, we've got our pints, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But we've got a section, Ask Astley, you know? Yeah, we talk about, we talk about Rick Astley. Rick Astley, so we're going to have to ask Rick Astley, what, <laughs> uh, what is going down at Preston Austin? Never going to give you up, man. This is Ali. <laughs> this is Ali Mullally. She's going to ask Astley. Hey, Rick. Oh, He's just, he's just thrown, it on, thrown the headphones onto my head. Um, I'm really, really interested. Uh, I've got a Preston supporting mate. Um, your feelings on Aidan McGeady. Aidan McGeady. 
Um, yeah, after, after his, interview, his interview before the game and then the way that he reacted to his goals against you uh, the other week. Yeah, Aidan um, McGeady is probably the best player I've seen at North End um, since Brian Mooney, who was another Irishman who played for us um, in the late 80s. I don't know if you Brentford fans remember a game that we perhaps had at our place, 5-3. In the late uh, 80s, at Deepdale. It's a bit, bit, bit before my time. <laughs> some of your fans might, might remember Oh, they that. will. Yeah, it, they will. It, we, we were both at the, the upper ends of League One, as it was, well, or Division yeah. Three, as it was at that time. Yeah. Um, best player I've seen at North End for a long, long time. We've had some good players. We've had, like, David Nugent play for England when he was with us. And we've, yeah. we've had some good players. Um, he came to us at a very low pedestal. Nobody really wanted him. He bombed at Sheffield Wednesday and he came to us. Everton didn't want him. And he was outstanding. And obviously, he was on a big wage at Everton. Simon Grace has gone to Sunderland. They've got more money than what we have. He's gone we know that story. And, and, you know, he's gone there. And at the time, more people were disappointed. That wasn't, you know, people expected. They've got the bigger club, more money. It is what it was. Yeah. The day before, he did an interview where he, he intimated that he wouldn't, uh, I'm probably not going to work the word, he wouldn't replace anybody with a good team compared to ours. And it comes yeah. across as slightly disrespectful. Not slightly, yeah. it comes across as very disrespectful. And the reaction on the day was very negative. Obviously, what happens he goes and scores at the opposite end of the ground, so at the end of the ground where the fans will sit on Saturday in the Bill Yeah, but his reaction was his reaction was sort of so disrespectful to you guys. Yeah. It was. It was. I found it a bit disrespectful because um, the, his first reaction was not to celebrate with the Sunderland fans. It was to come and run sixty yards yeah. towards yeah. us. Now, we, we, don't get me wrong, we gave him stick. But we we give everybody gives most players. But he's got to, he's got to, to be honest, that hasn't he? He didn't get that much dog's abuse. He got a bit of booing, to be honest, when he yeah. won the ball. But I've heard worse with other players. Um, I can think of another player who broke yeah. a player's leg, and he really did get dog's abuse. Um, yeah. Rice Campbell, years yeah. ago, he got dog's he, abuse at our place, um, and he he went off. But he he reacted. Yeah, the reaction was well, awful. Well, he spoke it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't the best. I understood why he did it, because he'd been getting some abuse, but I didn't really think it was that bad, right. really. I'm going to pass you over to Dave, because Dave's got a question for you as well. Okay. Hi, Dave. Uh, Ali Ashley. How you doing, my friend? How are you? You all right? Yeah, yeah I'm, all, I'm all good. I'm never going to let you down. Never, ever going <laughs> to let you down. Never going to give you up. Any of that. Oh, Running forever. around and desert you. Whatever. <laughs> um, I've got a question about Alex Neal. Yeah, so he's, Alex Neal is um, he's trying to rebuild his career. Obviously, he's, uh, he he's had a, he's, he's had a few ups and downs with Norwich. Um, yeah. So you know, what, what's been the fans' reactions to him? Um, has he continued the kind of style of football that you were playing last year? I've always I've been impressed with PNE for the last couple of years. You know, you, you offer a real threat. You're a proper championship team now. But can he? You know, what, what are your expectations? You know, you're not expecting him to take you to another level, surely. Yeah, yeah, I, I think we can get promoted with this manager. I really do. Um, the reason why, why there, there's been an ongoing strategy in terms of identifying some of the younger players, um, but he, what, he, what he's done so far is he's identified a style of play that adapts to the players that we have. We've got quite a young team, 
So what you might see, you might not, you might, it depends how it pans out. But it depends how many points I've had, to be honest with you, mate. Yeah, well, I'm the same. They, they tend to press press the ball when they haven't got it a lot more than perhaps what they used to under the previous regime. Um, they don't sit as what, I, what I've seen. As, so as they don't shit or it. shift? Uh, sit. All right. With Simon, with Simon at times, there were games where you thought they were sitting a bit too deep, sitting on the draw, not really going for it. Um, Sorry, I'm getting a bit confused with your sitting and shitting. Which one? Which one is it? We're not having. We're not having the. We're, the, we're having the form sitting. Sitting deep. Oh, sitting. Sorry, mate. Yeah. Sorry, it's been, been my dodgy accent. Um, sitting, sitting deep. Um, whereas, whereas that we, we've seen a contrast there, where we've been more uh, proactive in terms of the manager's substitutions, for instance, in games where um, we've needed to push on. He's made substitutions where we've won games where in the past perhaps we haven't done. I mean, we've, we've only lost two games so far this season. So, so what you're That's saying right. is it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a more sort of thought-through process. He, he thinks yeah, people are He's he, he brought a more positive outlook in terms of cool. team, in terms of how we, how we, we play. There's times where we, we, we played... Well, I'll tell you what, mate. I'll tell you what. I think Saturday we're going to see two teams really going for it. I'm, re- I'm really yeah, excited. I'm, I'm not actually looking forward to it in terms of, I think, I, I, you know, we're going to say this later, I think Preston going to win. Um, but I think we will go toe-to-toe. I think we'll have a very good game yeah. of football. I can't, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to meeting you. I'm looking forward to coming up to the Preston. But I'm going to pass yeah, you back to Billy. Pass you back to Billy, you'll round this off, mate. But no, let's, have, let's, have a, let's have a couple of points. Let's really, we'll really do press them properly. Look yeah, forward to seeing you, Rick. See you, mate. No worries, mate. Take care. The athlete. The athlete. So you've got the characters. And this is, I've got one final question for you. I mean, obviously we met you when yep. Gentry Day, when you came down yep. in your bowler hats and your suits down at Brentford. Not the season we Why? went up, but the season before that is when we first we met you and we, we struck a relationship. And I know all you characters now, there's loads of you, and we've got on really, really well. I want to ask you a question, though, because Gentry Day is a big day out for you. I mean, we you did. love your days out. You were we down did. the river last week, and Fulham even, on the boat, doing things like yep. what we do. You were up in Gentry Day, you were Bolton before, you've been at QPR. Yep. But I just want to ask you just one thing. What is your favourite? If you had a Gentry Day, because they haven't chosen it this year yet, I don't think, have they? No. They haven't chosen it. I've got an idea where it, I think it'll be. Yeah, but forget about that. If you were to choose, if you were Mr. Gentry Day, what is your favourite <laughs> Gentry Day? Where would you go to? What's the best? Oh, gosh. Um, I, I, do you know what? I, I do like the, the obscure um, days that are a bit different. Um that's a, that's a tough one, now. You put me on the spot there. I mean, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed the the Brentford days. Were really good, even though, as we know, the football was pretty terrible. Not terrible, otherwise, <laughs> wasn't great for us. It was brilliant for us. Good. We had we had a we had a we had a good day at Bolton. That was different because it was more local, and um, and we won there. So that was probably the first day. I think the first Gentry day picture we'd had for a while um, but to, to, to be honest I, it's a tough one that um, choose one not, come I'm on not, do it just put it oh. get the darts and just put it put it into the middle I mean, of the dartboard I, I, I mean I'm a, I'm a fan of coming to I'm a fan of coming to the capital I'm, I'm not going to lie um, I didn't go to Fulham this year 
in this season, I went to, I went to the one that Finty, you know, so Brentford, one of the best away games I've ever had is at Leighton Orient. Leighton Orient is holy ground for Preston fans. We've won promotion there twice. So give us, um, just give us one, just give us one, just, just name one. You know what? Yeah. I know it's bizarre and I'm not in the Football League anymore, but I've been to Leighton Orient a few times and it is holy ground for Preston fans. So, Leighton Orient is your gentry day, isn't it? It is, it is, it, yeah, is ho- it is holy ground. I mean, it's, get, we've won promotion the there twice. Right, so you get so, them in the cup. So, listen, listen, Ben. Yeah. Or Rick, as the characters want to call you. Saturday, we're going to see you guys. Yeah. We're up there early. 9.30, we're going to be in Preston. And I know there's uh-huh. a holy for you coming out. We're going to be going. We are, we're, we're going to be, meet you. You're going to be taking us on tour, aren't you? We'll try. Us, yeah. <laughs> so we look forward to it, Ben. But listen, all the clubs have been to, the Moorbrook and all that lot, they're wicked. Yeah, yeah, wicked, yeah. So we look, get there. Don't worry about that. That's right. So we look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Rick, yep. have a good one, mate. And we'll have a beer on Saturday. It's been a pleasure, Billy. I'll see you Saturday. Never gonna give you So interesting chat with Rick Astley, the Astley PE boy. Tell you something, absolutely wicked. Him and his crew, we've had so much fun with them. Not we're gonna have so much fun with them on Saturday, but interesting we were chumming up with them. We always chum up with them, you know what I'm saying? But we had a you know, interesting perspective as well. You know, the Astley talked about um Adi McGeady. Adi McGeady, he's brilliant. Preston, but he was absolutely anonymous, or well, pretty much anonymous on Saturday, because we absolutely took care of him, and that was interesting, Ali. I mean, when you were chatting to him about that, wasn't it? Yeah, it was very because he was waxing lyrical about how McGeady was probably the greatest player I'd ever seen play Preston, and even the way he behaved towards the Preston fans um, when Sunderland played them the other week, and um, celebrate, you know, taunting the fans after he scored, uh, didn't really particularly changed the way he felt about that and it was it's interesting what you say about how he didn't perform against us and he doesn't seem to be doing so great for Sunderland you know is it a a case of I don't know you know Scott Hogan going to Villa that sort of thing going from small club big fish in a small pond to small fish in a big pond and you know it doesn't quite work out the same way as it does when you're playing for a small club I don't know it just seems like a similar sort of story doesn't it at the moment but always been the conversation is it, is it about the player you know at the team that they're at that they perform at the team like you know you get players at Brentford who are brilliant they go somewhere else and they don't perform as well I mean I know you mentioned earlier about Tarkovsky and Andre Gray have done really well but there's been a lot of players that haven't done so well when they've let Brentford this is not slating them off this is just a fact and we've always had this theory about sometimes the environment that's around you which works around you is A.D. McGeady uh, the big fish in that small pond at mm. Preston he's the one that made them click and they gave everything to him and he scored a lot of goals for them he's gone to Sunderland and he's probably tripled his wages okay. ten times his wages it. and it hasn't really happened yeah that reminds me of three people really it, well I mean Harley Dean who was our player of the season last year is not exactly um, making friends at Birmingham is he I mean they can't they think he's awful so you know again God forbid a big fish in a small pond to a a small fish in a big pond and not, not quite hacking it. Uh, we, we, we've said it. We've said it week in, week out. You know, it's, it's, they, they get their move, they get their, they get their wages, they get their comfort blanket. That's it. You know, they, they, they've taken they've taken all all ambition. They've taken all 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 of their their kind of drive and their focus away. They've just got their big pay packet, and you know that, that's it. That's it. They're, they're made for life. So, but going going back to um, Rick Astley, you know what he said to me was. Um, 
you know, that he thinks this manager is going to take him onto the Premier League, and whether whether he does or doesn't do that. But what I do think, and you alluded to it a bit earlier, Bill, is I think Brentford and Preston have got a very lot in common. Um, their their halcyon days were either side of the war, as with ours. Uh, they were probably more successful. Well, it's not probably. They were more successful. They won league championships and they won FA Cups and this, that and the other. And the old White Horse Cup final. So, so, but what I'm, what I, what I'm, to round this up is that, you know, we have got a quite a long coming. We're, we're, we are punching above our weight. And also as well, because you talk about Preston North End and you talk about history. I mean, there's a little history story about Preston North End as well, wasn't there? Yep, so um, in 1935, Brentford played Preston home and away within 24 hours. Home, Christmas Day, we beat them 5-2. We were away on Boxing Day. So the next day, so, so Brentford have to get finish the game, go and have a bath, go home, have a Christmas dinner with your family or whatever, then get on a train, go to Preston, stay the night on Christmas Day night get up and play a game of football and we beat them 4-2 at Deepdale so you know that shows you what football how, how things how things have changed and it's also things have changed it's interesting because this has come from your um, you're doing a, a big Brentford book at the moment now aren't you you're doing an absolutely fantastic Brentford book which is almost finished very yeah it's almost finished we've got 48 hours the first part of the book goes to print on Friday Saturday Saturday maybe so um, yeah we're, I'm, I'm immensely proud of what me and Mark Croxford have done um, on, on this project um, we've we've found with the help of Brentford collectors the most stunning new photographs the most stunning new stories uh, the, the the history and the, the the pride of our club is encapsulated in in almost 400 pages of just it's just it's just a wallowing in Brentfordness you know all the things that we love about our ground are, are in this book uh, the, the photographs that haven't been seen since ever you know <laughs> the, the, the things that we've unearthed that we've just been we've been pinching ourselves kicking ourselves. I'm just thinking this. This is this is just a, a dream that two Brentford fans are, are, are kind of unearthing this 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 mine of beautiful stuff. So um, you know, for, it'll be out this Christmas, next Christmas, and the Christmas after. But you know, make sure you get a copy and and get your name in the book if you can. You could get the name of the book, and apparently, if you go onto the club website, you can actually get your name in the book. So just have a look at that club website and get the name of the book. But it's also interesting because we've got some posters as well. Because talking about the old ground, we've got the posters with the old Royal Oak, the old New Road, both terraced, and it's been designed by this designer. He's drawn this posters, and the posters flew out. Our first couple of days, they flew out and they sold out. You know what I'm saying? So we actually have to rebatch and we have to print up a whole load more. So just get in there very quickly. Just go into Besotted website. Just go into the shop and have a little bit. Some wicked, wicked Brentford posters, which uh, a lot of people have just been buying for their friends, been buying for their family, or buying for themselves as well, which is all good as well, isn't it? Dave? Yeah, yeah. They're really stylish um, prints. A2 big, big A2 prints of um, of Griffin Park as it was about 1977-78. I sent a picture to this this the, the artist and he's and he's given his impression of it. He's done a brilliant job, I think. You know, obviously, you know, artists, arts for art's sake and whatever. You know, but I, I just think it, it's a, it's how I remember it. Red and white roof on the new road, huge Royal Oak stand behind the goal. 
the 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 like the barriers behind the Ealing Road. It's all encapsulated in it. So you know, it j- just just tuck in. Happy Christmas. That's right. So you've got that as well. And just one last thing: loads and loads and loads of people have been asking us about the Christmas social, which is on Friday, the fifteenth of December. It's at the Fuller's Brewery. It's going to be absolutely wicked. It's going to sell out because we haven't got that many tickets for it. Last time we were there, um, we're still negotiating the terms of that as well. But if it's anything like last year, everyone's going to have a let's just say a very jolly time. We're going to have some players down there you're going to have some refreshments down there and you'll go away feeling very very merry that's all i can say but we're not going to say anything yet because we're still negotiating the terms of that one but we're going to try and put those tickets on sale maybe by the time you click on it now go to the website go to social and click on it sign up for it we'll mail you out but maybe even we might even have the tickets on sale by the time you get this podcast as well but go on there be very very quick don't miss out on it because you know we, we, we've mentioned this a few times during the year it People that went there last year rave about it. It, it. it is very, very special to go to the Fuller's Brewery and have a Brentford Christmas do there. It's a once in a lifetime. We've got it twice in a lifetime, so don't miss out. Indeed, indeed. Absolutely teeth and tremendous, as we say. But we're going to come back to the game on Saturday because I'm very much looking forward to going up to PE. Brilliant place, brilliant fans. They're meeting us off the train. We're getting off at 9.30. We're meeting Sam. We're meeting Chippy. We're meeting the, the Astley. We're meeting John. We're meeting, you know, the Profound Valley. We're meeting all these characters. We're all meeting them that, that day. They're going to come down there. We're going to all sorts of places. We'll end up at the Moorbrook at some stage. But before that, we need to talk about the game because the game comes into this somehow and we would also love to get three points. So, Ali Malali, what do you reckon? Uh, if I think about it, if I think about it in my head, I think I'm rather worried because Preston are playing very well. They're getting some very good results. They are, what, fourth at the moment, I think? Uh, so they are absolutely flying. Um, and when we went up there last season, I think got turned over 4-2, was it? 1-4-2. So, logically... Um, I'm a bit concerned that we may not get a good result there but you know being Brentford it's probably the sort of game we don't expect to win and we'll probably go up there and win 4-2 or something so it, it could go either way it really could go. I, I think it's going to be a really good game of score football score prediction score prediction oh my head says my head, head says score prediction my head says 2-1 Preston my heart says 4-2 Brentford so which one are you going for 4-2 Brentford. <laughs> <laughs> to be positive. Be positive. Um, I've, had, I've had mixed experiences at Preston. Um, obviously, we lost last year. I still remember the game we won, was it 3-1? Where I still see that Barbe, where we're Unis, Tarky, when we've got Barbe. He played that... To judge. To judge, and yeah. judge Brilliant. whacked it home. Stunning. Probably one of the goals of my yeah. Brentford existence. So, um, you know... Again, I think it was backs to the wall then as well. I don't think we went there with any kind of real confidence. You know, Preston are, Preston are a proper team. You know. Score prediction. Um, uh, we're going to lose 3-1. Oh. And to me, I'm just thinking Brentford are upside down. The Football League is upside down. Brentford are upside down. All the games that we expect to win, I expected to beat Sunderland. I expect to beat Sheffield United. I expect to beat Ipswich. I expect to beat Wolves. I expect to beat all these teams. And we didn't beat them. I'll be honest with you, I'm now looking at Preston thinking, mm, I'm not expected to beat them, which means we probably will. So I'm going for 2-0 to the mighty, mighty beat. But it'll probably be a draw. It will probably be a draw. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but listen, 
Listen, this is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. We are at the Cross Keys in Stamford Brook. Wicked Black Lion Lane. Uh, absolutely brilliant club. Come down there if you have to. It's in the middle of the housing. They're very, very friendly. Very, very lovely. And you come down there. Saturday's Preston. We're going to go out there. It's going to be a laugh. We're up there very, very early. We're meeting all the characters. You've heard about them. If you want to come and meet us for a drink, come and meet us. We'll be wherever. We'll be all over the place. And by the time we'll get to the Moorbrook, and we'll be loving it in the Moorbrook as well. So come and meet us down there. But as we say, last orders is to be called the bar. We're going to go get a drink. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.